Welcome to Cascades Bible Church. Well, last Sunday evening, which is really two weekends ago, um, we started looking at this short topic, topical study on the blessing of spiritual friendship. And I want to finish up with uh, where we left off. And we introduced the topic by looking at Paul's relationship to the Philippian church. That was really where uh, we started. Paul was a spiritual father to that church. He developed a heartfelt and abiding friendship with that church. He loved them, and they supported him both financially and through their prayers and their ministry to him, even when he was in prison. And what we see as we read Philippians is this rich and spiritually refreshing relationship. This was a church that brought Paul joy, and Philippians is sometimes referred to as the epistle of joy. This was a mature church, we said, and they were a church that had a genuine spiritual friendship with Paul. And uh, of all the churches that Paul corresponded with, Philippi was perhaps the one that he loved and was closest to, at least in heart. Philippi was, was uh, as he writes, we read, he's not writing as an apostle to a church, he's writing as a friend to his friends. Um, and when we read these opening verses and even the final verses of Philippians, we get a glimpse into the heart and soul of a full and rewarding friendship which is hard to find. We said that last time. This, the culture we live in does not really help us in this task of building friendships um, because, uh, because all we are concerned about is, is kind of ourselves. And so to be a friend, to be a good friend and a true friend, um, we have to put others first. And our culture doesn't do a lot to help us along that end. But in these opening verses of Philippians, we were greeted with the richness and the depth of spiritual friendship. I'm not going to reread all those verses because I want to keep moving through the text. Um, but I would just say, as I said last time, if you're a believer without any deep and abiding spiritual friendships in the local church, and if you don't devote time and attention to that task over time, um, you uh, you and the church will be the poorer for it. I, I really think that uh, spiritual friendships are so vital for life in the body of Christ. And while the scripture doesn't have a lot of discussion of friendship as a topic per se, it does have plenty to say. We said that friendship in the scriptures uh, involves two things. First, it involves mutual love and a knitting together of souls. And we looked at some examples like in Deuteronomy 13 and in Jonathan and David in 1 Samuel 18. And we said, secondly, that the, when the Bible talks about friendship, it uses the metaphor of face-to-face contact. The Lord used to speak to Moses, Exodus thirty-three eleven says, just as a man speaks to his friend, this kind of face-to-face uh, imagery implies contact, sharing of thoughts, a coming together of mind and goals and purpose. These were the kind of spiritual friendships that Paul had. They were rooted and grounded in Christ and Paul had many individuals and churches that he loved and was friends with. There was always a knitting together of souls, whether it was Timothy or Epaphroditus or whoever, uh, or the church at Philippi, and there was this regular sharing and coming together of mind and heart with other believers wherever he went. He never traveled, almost never traveled alone, which I think is really interesting. Um, there was no um, lone ranger uh, Paul kind of uh, roaming the countryside like, um, what's that guy, uh, uh, the um, kung fu guy that like just kind of wandered around, you just see him, yeah, yeah, just walking by himself down a road. No, Paul was always with other people. 
Spiritual friendships were important to him, and for the sake of discipleship and growth and grace, they should be important to us as well. And so I want to finish our survey that we started last time, and hopefully we'll be better equipped to be um, spiritual friends to others. So we had um, basically 11 points, kind of one sort of preliminary point zero, I guess, and then one through 10. The very first thing, and it's worth reiterating again in case you weren't here or just as a reminder, that in order to build and maintain spiritual friendships that glorify God um, in the church especially, we have to have a friendship with God in Christ through saving faith. Like that's foundational. Without a new heart, without a new mind, you're never going to be able to glorify Christ through those relationships. So ultimately, what friendship does is magnify Christ, just like everything we do as Christians should magnify Christ. He has brought us into the place of friendship with himself through the grace of the gospel, and therefore, because, because he has done that, we can do that with others. You can't obey the, the second great commandment, which is to love others um, as yourself, if you don't obey the first great commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So you can't be a true friend to others uh, as, a, as a Christian, to other Christians especially, until the love of Christ rules in your heart. Um, otherwise, we'll just use people. We will ultimately default back to taking advantage. How can this person advance my social standing? How can this person um, allow me to gain approval, um, exert control, or feel good about myself or, or whatever? So in your friendship, God alone must reign supreme. Otherwise, friends or even just the idea of having a lot of friends can become an idol got to be careful with that. And it also bears repeating as we get into the nitty-gritty of of cultivating spiritual friendships that friendship, like everything else in life, rests in God's hands and not ours. We don't have absolute control over our friends. We can do things, and we're talking about those things tonight, that help establish and and build and, and cultivate spiritual friendships, but something Sometimes relationships that look promising don't work out, and, and friendships that we rely on heavily are taken away through God's providence, and we can't be discouraged by that. Um, and we said, you know, we need to think about friendships as far as concentric circles, acquaintances being kind of those that you know the least about, and kind of just informal contacts with people. You'll have fewer allies. It's a smaller circle of people. We'll have even fewer companions. If you look at kind of the moving inward, and then you'll have even fewest of all those who would be your closest friends or confidants is kind of the term we used. And those are, uh, that's just reality. We can't all have um, millions of confidants and close, close friends. Uh, some people are better at that than others, but but just realistically, we can't we can't have that many close friends. And uh, And people constantly are moving around in that in those circles, but we must be about the task. We were called to walk together for the purpose of making and maturing disciples of Christ who run to win. And so healthy Christianity is not solo Christianity. It is it lived in concert with other believers. Um, and that communion with his people is how we also uh, are uh, glorify him and, 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 uh, and walk with him. So couple of just quick review. We're going to kind of fly through these points by review. First, we said last time, most friendships begin when we talk to one another. We must talk to one another. And they don't, uh, mag- friendships don't appear magically or spontaneously. They don't grow 
without the essential elements of words and communication. So part of the grunt work of establishing and deepening spiritual friendship is just the discipline of learning to talk to other people, all kinds of people, people who are quiet and people who are, who are love to talk and people who are, who are extroverts, so quote-unquote, or introverts or whatever. Um, and uh, so I, you know, our encouragement was don't wait around for people to come talk to you. You uh, need to go up and start talking to others, and this is how we, this is how relationships are forged. Introduce yourself, ask questions, probe to see what common interests might be uh, lie beneath the surface. Get to know other people without any agenda, and be willing to share a little bit about yourself in the process. And as with Christians, especially, you can sprinkle those conversations with the Savior of Christ. It doesn't always need to be over the top. It doesn't need to be unnatural. But as you ask questions and share your life with others, you can weave God and his truth into those conversations. So we begin relationships by talking one to another. Second, we said if you're going to build spiritual friendships, we must also become good listeners. The best friends listen well and listen with genuine interest. So um, we need to learn to be active listeners, and not just with our ears, but we listen with our mind, our eyes, our facial expressions, our posture. All those things help endear others to us and communicate that we care about other people. Good listeners ask good follow-up questions because they genuinely care about other people and because it communicates interest that helps draw people out and knit our hearts together with them. Um, I, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here tonight, Kate, because I think you do an excellent job at that. Just putting that out there. I know it's kind of part of your job, so it's definitely a skill that you've cultivated, uh, but it's one thing that I admire about you is that you're a very good active listener, and you do a great job of asking follow-up questions. Now, there's other people who do that, too. That's <laughs> not, not, not saying that no one else does. But I think that's a wonderful skill and an important skill in your line of work, but also just to, to be a good friend to others. So th- thank you for setting such a great example on that. We should listen well, as Romans 12 says, so that we can rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I mean, that, you, can't, you can't enter into other people's situation if you're not listening, if you're not alert to their needs. And not just what they say, but even how they say it and the ways that they, or what they don't say sometimes. So listening ear is very important. Third, spiritual friendships are built and established by enjoying life together. Friends increase their joys by sharing them. So we said that the the key tools of Christian friendship are a fork, a knife, and a spoon, right? We eat together, uh, eat together, sit down, share a meal, And like we said in our Lord's Table study, that communicates love and welcome and acceptance, hospitality. We are willing to sit down and eat together. There's a welcoming and a transparency and a self-disclosure in that simple act that intensifies our joy and builds relationships. So when done regularly, friends become family. This is one way that spiritual friendships can be forged. Fourth, we said spiritual friendships are built and established by serving one another or serving with one another. One of the surest ways that we can do that is um, is in that side-by-side, God-honoring service in the body of Christ. So helpful. If you're a lonely Christian, if you're new, one of the best things you can do is get connected to the local church and begin to serve in where the needs are, whatever those needs are may not be your first choice in ministry. It may not be your third or fourth choice in ministry. But when there's needs that you're willing to serve, um, and that 
is a wonderful way. Spiritual friendships lift our eyes, uh, serving, excuse me, lifts our eyes from our natural selfishness and links us together in common purpose, helping us to um, learn more about one another and, and build the relationship that that currency is, is, in, is invested. Fifth, when this is where we ended last time, is the task of building spiritual friendships is aided in thinking through things with one another. Thinking through God's truth together as we converse with each other is a really important way that brothers and sisters sharpen and hone their spiritual um, muscles. So as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So talk about God with each other. Talk about God with God's people. Talk about how God's word is applying itself or you should be applying it to your life. Talk about how God's word is shaping and molding your decisions and your thinking. Like It's not just about the what, but how are you getting to that place? Um, that's, that's a wonderful thing to do. Help other Christians love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we do that by talking about God's grace uh, and his word uh, to each other. And uh, hopefully they do the same for you. So that's where we ended last time. I have um, five more points that I want to look at this evening. So um, that's what we're going to pick up here. I guess it would be technically point six. Sixth, spiritual friendships are forged by being with one another. By being with one another. Now, it's similar to sharing life together, but it, um, I'm going to go a little bit different direction on this one. For those of you who are prone to let busyness crowd out meaningful relationships, as we all are prone to do, I think, at times, we'll often soothe a guilty conscience with platitudes like, well, it's not the quantity of time uh, that matters, but the quality of the time that I have with so-and-so, that, that that's what's most important. And I want to push back on that just a little bit and say that I think that's a false choice. It's, it's a false choice to say it's either quantity or quality. Uh, quality of time together is absolutely important. You, you can have not quality time with other people, friends, family, whoever, your spouse. Uh, and so quality is absolutely helpful. But there is no substitute for quantity of time together when it comes to friendship. So don't, let's not make the mistake of selling short the impact of personal presence when it comes to other people. So many other practical dynamics that we're, we've already talked about and that we will talk about, they only happen and they can't happen unless you are sharing life together with other people. Where do most friendships start? Well, they're often birthed when our families or our jobs or our common interests bind us together with someone on a regular interval. And if friendships, meaningful friendships, are going to take root and grow, it, it will cost us something. And that's something that they require us to invest is the limited and irreplaceable resource of our time. Our time. Spiritual friendships take time. They, they're not microwavable. I wish they were. You know, just throw it in there for a minute 30, boop, and it's hot and ready to go. Things of lesser importance will need to be laid upon the altar to establish and cultivate deep spiritual friendships. And as those relationships grow, the focus begins to shift away from what we do to whom we do it with. Does that make sense? So close friendships are those relationships that don't necessarily need the glue of a common activity. 
Some people in those outer circles that we mentioned, acquaintances and allies or whatever and such, are only in our orbit because we enjoy a common enterprise together. We like playing the same sport, or we like talking about electoral politics, or our kids are in the same class together, or fill in the blank, whatever that situational thing is. But you remove that weak gravitational pull of that common activity, and the person, what? They immediately spin out of your orbit. But true friends, spiritual friends, are those who share a common life in Jesus Christ, and that never ends. And that never ends. Uh, hopefully is always growing, which means as your relationship with Christ grows, you can literally do nothing together with other Christians, and that's wonderful. When someone is a true friend, the activities you engage in with that person don't really matter much at all. The joy and the satisfaction we experience is drawn out principally by doing whatever you're doing with the person themselves. That the pleasure springs from loving your friend and enjoying God's glory with and through them. And that's it. And so consequently, when life's difficulties press in on you or on your friend, for example, your companionship, your simple presence in their midst becomes a powerful tool for God's grace to flow through you to strengthen, to comfort, and to encourage them to put one spiritual foot in front of the other. And just as friendships are cultivated by being together and investing our time, likewise, on the flip side, they dry up and blow away from a lack of time together. So the quickest way to kill a friendship, like a houseplant, is by neglect. Just don't do anything. And so if we want to keep spiritual friendships, we have to make regular contact a priority. That might mean a visit. That might mean a phone call. That might mean a text message. It might mean a letter. Uh, it might mean a birthday card. Whatever that, you know, it, it doesn't always have to look exactly one way or another. Um, and, and with good friendships, they require very little. Once they get established, it take, requires a lot less work. But when they do, but they still require some work. So being with one another is a, is a very important way that spiritual friendships are forged. Seventh, spiritual friendships are forged by trusting one another. Trusting one another. Suspicion kills friendship. Suspicion kills friendship. It's true that God's word does warn us against putting our trust in men. Ultimately, we shouldn't trust uh, princes or kings or horses or anything else. Uh, it, but it also speaks of a healthy dose of trust regarding people who prove themselves faithful by God's grace. So I think about the, the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31 in verse 11. And uh, Solomon or whoever wrote that, I can't remember who wrote the, Proverbs 31, but he said the, the heart of her husband, this virtuous woman, trusts in her. Trust in her. Proverbs 23, verse 26, the, the father says to his son, Give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. That's, that's trust. He's like, trust me, follow me. Trust, like Rome, isn't built in a day, but rather is established gradually by proving yourself trustworthy and then giving opportunities for your friend to prove himself or herself trustworthy also. 
So that means revealing your heart and weaknesses and needs and imperfections to your friend um, incrementally. Don't back up the truck of your inner thoughts all at once the first time you meet somebody. Uh, that, that's a little overkill. That's, that can be too much. Um, but over time, as you share a little bit about your life and they share a little about the, their life and their situation, and more and more self-disclosures take place, and those things are handled with tact and wisdom and grace, a solid foundation of mutual trustworthiness is laid that can be built upon down the road. So we want to trust one another. But sometimes people fail us. So what happens then? When it comes to trusting one another, we need to be careful. I would just warn not to make the mistake, not to mistake, I should say, disappointment as betrayal, which I think we can do sometimes when we're um, critical uh, or too critical of other people. We, we view what is ultimately a disappointment as a, a betrayal. If your friend disappoints you, it's hurtful, but it's not a character flaw. It's not a, it's not a fatal character flaw by any stretch. So Christian love, Christian charity, demands that we think the best of others, assuming they genuinely care for us and walk with integrity. But in this situation or that situation, they've stumbled, and that's okay. When friends disappoint us, we learn to trust God more, and we give grace to those around us. Betrayal sometimes happens, though, and that reveals a hypocritical heart and a lack of personal integrity, and those things happen as well. We still need to show mercy. We still need to seek reconciliation if possible, but that, when the trust has been broken by betrayal, that can obviously torpedo things, and it will take time to rebuild. But that said, I think... We need to be encouraged and challenged not to let cynicism keep you from trusting other people. And that's a challenge in ministry. It is a ch- the longer I've been in pastoral ministry and served and cared for people in ministry, whether as an elder or whatever, the betrayal happens, and cynicism can take root if you're not careful. But as one author said, every relationship means risk. But we must take the risk, for while nearly all our sorrows come from our connection to others, nearly all our joys have the same source. We cannot help ourselves, for it is part of the great discipline of life. So be careful not to become cynical. Um, I had a friend a long time ago in the first church I was at after I got saved. He was really zealous served others, really poured himself in other people, and he, some people that he really respected in the church, and I think this is an accurate description, they betrayed him. They hung him out to dry on a situation that was handled poorly. And he left that church, and he didn't go back to church for six years. And, um, and I ran into him when we were in Naples a while back, and thankfully he's back in church, and he's serving the Lord and stuff like that. But he admitted that he became cynical about ministry, about people. And he said, you know, I'm not going to let anyone do this to me or to my family again. And, uh, and he lost out on a, a huge stretch of time where he could have been growing in Christ and serving others. So the walls we construct to shut other people out, they will not protect you. They simply imprison you. So be careful not to become cynical. So trust one another and let God grow your spiritual friendships. Um. 
Another important way we can establish and cultivate spiritual friendships. Um, we got trust one another, be with one another. Uh, eighth or ninth? Eighth, thank you. <laughs> I don't have the numbers here in the notes. Is pray with one another. Pray with one another. When you and I pray with and for one another, we experience a oneness in the Holy Spirit as children of our Heavenly Father. I'm thinking about Ephesians 2 and verse 18. It reminds us, for through him, through Christ, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So we are children of our Heavenly Father together. We love to say when people will share things, uh, especially something that's significant in their lives, we'll often say things like, oh, thank you for sharing that. I'll remember to pray for you on that. But why not just stop what we're doing and let, let, let that opportunity be your time to pray for them? I mean, you can pray for them on your own, but why not just say, let's pray now? Brian, I think you do a great job of that. You've done that multiple times on a phone call and in person. Brother, let's pray for that person right now. I love that. That convicts me because I don't think that way naturally. Don't be afraid of praying out loud for one another. Few things comfort and encourage and bind hearts together like hearing a brother or sister in Christ plead before the throne of grace on your behalf. I love that. Your prayers don't have to be long. They don't have to be theologically flourished. (laughs) Sometimes the simplest, honest prayer for comfort, for God to act, for wisdom, for patience, is just what God will use to accomplish that work in that situation through his sovereign purposes. The best of spiritual friends pray for and with each other. Ninth, spiritual friendships are built up as we repent with one another. Repent with one another. True friends are honest with each other about the way we really are. And we are all hopeless sinners in need of God's grace every single moment. So spiritual friends acknowledge that we all still sin and we all still need correction and and, and guidance. So they can lovingly and graciously bring things to each other in that relationship without pushing the other person away or without driving that relationship into the ground. I love Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. It's, 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 we know it. We've probably heard it and studied it. Maybe you've never memorized it. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Or Proverbs 28 and verse 23. He who rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with the tongue. Now, that said, if all we ever do is rebuke and criticize and nitpick one another, we will destroy even the closest of friendships. So that kind of pride and callousness is actually counterproductive. It's corrosive to friendships. But, um, but in spiritual friendships, we will at times be called upon to confront sin where a clear pattern is discernible, but we need to do the same thing. We need to do that with showing much grace. And that's where all the other factors come in. So for, and, and, of course, forgiveness is the oxygen that keeps relationships from suffocating. Forgiveness and grace is the oxygen that keeps relationships from suffocating. We often sin against each other, 
And the closer our friendship or closer our relationship, the more opportunity we have to sin against each other and the more it hurts when we sin against one another. Those, those failures cut deeper when our friendship is even deeper. So spiritual friendships are preserved and strengthened between sinners only by the hard work of repentance toward God and reconciliation with one another. Be quick. I can't emphasize this enough. Be quick to make peace and quick to admit your wrongdoings and watch then as you do that as the Lord's pruning will bring greater growth and fruitfulness in your lives. It is sad for me to watch somebody in a church who we, you give so much grace and room to and, ho- and, and patience and then you bring up one little thing and they get upset and they leave. That is a recipe for spiritual stagnation. If you can never be confronted, never be questioned on anything, um, that, that, that is so disheartening for me as a pastor because, listen, we're all in process. We are all growing in Christ. None of us, myself, son, any one of us, is above correction, is above um, learning more and, and growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. So, so we should be eager to repent to God and to reconcile with one another, when, whether it's something we said or something we didn't do or some pattern of sin that's emerged in our lives that we're not even aware of. That's why God's given us to each other. And that is a wonderful way that the Lord strengthens and grows his church. So be, spiritual friendships require repentance with repenting with one another. And lastly, one of the ways that spiritual friendships are established and strengthened is by hoping with one another. Hoping with one another. A true spiritual friend is one who encourages you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Those are the friends that I thank the Lord for most of all. When Paul described Christ's coming, like he does in 1 Thessalonians 4, Remember that passage, that passage on the rapture of the church? And you see that in 13 to 18. He ends that whole section. He says, therefore, this is the implication, comfort one another with these words. Comfort each other with these words. The fact is we all need spiritual friendships to remind us that this world is not our home. It's one of the primary purposes of why we're commanded to gather every Lord's Day. Every Sunday we gather, Paul says not to forsake that, so that we could stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And then he ends that section, he says, all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we hope with one another. Our spiritual friendships transcend this earthly frame. These first things like Revelation 22 says, we'll all pass away in the end. And all of us who are in Christ will be transformed into the body of God's, uh, of Christ's glory. What are all the cultural and ethnic and personal differences compared to the glorious kingdom that we share together, that we, that we have as an inheritance together? So spiritual friendships have as their ultimate purpose glorifying Christ And consequently, spiritual friendships ought to point us to our eternal hope. 
And those who do that the best are the best of friends, I think, for us. When Andrew Fuller, who was a Baptist, particular Baptist preacher in England, was dying in April 1815, he wrote his oldest living friend, who was also a Baptist preacher by the name of John Ryland, and he said the following, he says, quote, we have enjoyed much together, which I hope will prove an earnest of greater enjoyment in another world. There, I trust we shall meet and part no more, end quote. I mean, this spiritual friendships are so important because they're a vital way that God works in our lives to help us grow in grace and stay faithful to Christ to the bitter end. And that's what John Ryland did for Andrew Fuller, and that's what we do for one another. Beyond that, God created us to relate to one another, to walk through this short and fleeting life together, and he's given us the gift of spiritual friendship to enrich us and to bless us along the way. If you've read Pilgrim's Progress, you know that God brought who along? Hopeful. And hopeful stayed with him to the bitter end. A hopeful is what we need to accompany us, many of us. We need many hopefuls, I should say, to accompany us along the way to the celestial city. So don't expect too much from friendships. Don't expect flawless friends because they don't exist. (laughs) But at the same time, do seek after righteous, real, and rich friendships. As I said earlier, this is where discipleship happens. As Thomas Watson is quoted as saying, as the communion of the saints is in our creed, so it should be in our company. And I think that's a fitting fitting, uh, sentence to remind us of the importance of spiritual friendship. So I guess we've got, you know, 10 things. Talk together, listen together, serve with one another, enjoy life together. Um, what else? Uh, think through things with one another. Be with one another. Pray for, trust one another. Re- pray with one another. Repent with one another. Hope with one another. Think of them like cords in a rope. The more things of those you do, the stronger the rope, the stronger the bonds. And we none of us can do all these things perfectly all the time. But hopefully, as we engage these things, I hope these are practical enough that as we engage them, we can begin to um, uh, build those spiritual friendships in ways that maybe we weren't as equipped to do before this study. And ultimately, what we want as leaders is for our church to be marked out by true love for one another so that as people see our fellowship, they would know that we are truly disciples of Christ and... um, and that that would, uh, would draw others in and that we would lead them, lead them to Christ. So I hope that's been helpful for you. It's been a great study and reminder for me. And uh, I pray that you will build up and benefit from the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you've given us one to another in the church. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to um, bind our, uh, our hearts to one another in these things. Help us to be about that task, to speak with one another and to comfort and encourage each other, to spend time together and share, uh, you know, carve out, not to get so busy with our lives that we can't spend time with one another uh, in ministry and service. And um, Lord, we pray that we would be quick to repent when we're, when we're confronted by things in our lives and, and that we would point one, another to the, point one another to the hope we have in Jesus. Um, Lord, we do that even as we sing now. We, we encourage each other to press on, 
And uh, Lord, we ask your blessing on all our efforts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by today's message. For more information or more messages like this, visit us at cascadesbiblechurch.com or subscribe via your favorite podcast app.